Hey everyone, this is Harmon. Welcome to Comedy History 101. You've tuned in to part two of our episode on the history of the Purple Onion Comedy Club. Yes, we are diving into part two of our history of the legendary San Francisco Comedy Club, the Purple Onion. Yes, the legendary Purple Onion Comedy Club in San Francisco, the club that launched the careers of such comedians as Woody Allen, Lenny Bruce, Phyllis Diller, the Smothers Brothers, and more. But before we dive into the episode, a few plugs. On Tuesday, March 19th, at the Pit Loft in New York City, 7 p.m., we are bringing you Comedy History 101 Live. That's right, we are going to do a live episode of Comedy History 101 right at the Pit Loft here in New York City. Come out and say hello and see Comedy History 101 Live. That's right, it's our first live recording of the podcast. For tickets, go to the pitnyc.com website or to our website, Comedy History 101. Also, please subscribe on iTunes and comment. Yes, we want you to comment on iTunes. It helps us bring in advertisers so we can bring you more episodes of Comedy History 101. And without further ado... You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Good thing about doing comedy in Russia, you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101. Ladies and gentlemen... Zach Galifianakis. Wow, this is uh, this is a dream for you. So what you just heard there was a clip from Zach Galifianakis live at the Purple Onion, his uh, comedy special that was filmed. Uh, where Scott? In the Purple Onion. And was it done uh, in a studio or or was it done live? It was live, dude. Yeah, Zach Kalvinakis live <laughs> at the Purple Onion. And yes, you've tuned into another episode of Comedy History 101. <laughs> where we school you in comedy. I, of course, am Harmon Leon. Hello. And with me, of course, Scott Colonico. Hello. How Scott, you? how are you? Yes. Yeah. So, what did what did you learn in part one of uh, uh, the history of the Purple Onion? Want to just recap everything for us? Oh, just some of the history of the show, some of the people who started out there, the fact that Phyllis Diller had a kind of a mentor as she was started, something to that she modeled her career after, which is interesting, mm-hmm. and just um, what San Francisco was like back in the swinging fifties, late fifties, early sixties. I think it was swinging 60s. I would, I would think it's more like beatnik 50s. Well, beat, I'm just beat, but it was start, they were starting to swing a little bit. They could swing. Yeah, and sort of when San Francisco started to swing, that was also led partly to the demise of, of the Purple Onion. Uh, comedies started dropping out of favor. Um, clubs started closing in, in North Beach, which was the epicenter of stand-up comedy, like, for a time, not only in San Francisco, but the nation. It was like, you know, San Francisco had bigger comedy scene than New York. So that leads us into part two of our history of the Purple Onion. So we last left off talking about the legendary Phyllis Diller. 
How can I describe her? Jello with a belt. <laughs> when the old bat sits down and takes the whole mess five minutes to settle. <laughs> Phil, Phil Stiller, um, you know, she was just kind of playing that whole thing. But she was, uh, was alright. Yeah, and actually, that's how the Kingston Trio got their start, was uh, she needed an opener, and they hired the Kingston Trio after the oh, wow. four audition. So uh, the Kingston Trio was actually Phyllis Diller's uh, opening act. And all right, man. Yeah, yeah. So they were paid $330 a week in 1950s money, and that's pretty good. And uh, then they got bumped up to $700 before they left for the rival club, The Hungry Eye. Oh, wow. Okay. And so anyway, we touched upon this at the beginning, but one of the other big breakthrough acts. And again, we're talking, you know, you have your acts like Lenny Bruce and Woody Allen, but, you know, they weren't San Francisco acts. Um, But the Smothers Brothers, who I believe, weren't they from uh, Northern California? Uh, I believe they were. I will check that while you entertain the kids. Yeah. We'd like all for all of you tonight to join in with us and sing along with our new album, Sing Along with Smothers. <laughs> That's it similar to similar to similar to the album on Columbia Records. This is Mercury Records, but similar to the the record on Columbia made by Mitch Miller. Sing along with bitch. <laughs> oh no! Oh, interesting. Huh. What's that? Whoa! Whoa! Where, whoa, whoa. What? <laughs> oh, 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 never got a dinner. <laughs> What's oh, that? They were born in New York and Governor's Island in New York Harbor because their dad was in the military. Oh wow! Thus, thus the reason for the sitcom where uh, where what was it called? The Smothers Brothers comedy show. Show, yeah, where the, he's a dead angel. Yeah, but he's a military dead angel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is he? I think so. So, but they. No, he was on the ship. Well, he was in the Navy or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did they grow up in the Bay Area? No, yeah, they grew up there. Well, they went to. Um, uh, then it looks like they. Oh, then they, like, I guess they're. they're um... Oh, wow. Dude, this is crazy. All right. So we should have done our research. I know we should. Because you know why? It's like interesting. No, go ahead, man. I'm learning with you. Learning in real time with us. Yeah. They they were born. They were born in New York on Governor's Island, New York Harbor, Mm -hmm. because their dad was in the military, and then he got called to do um, military duty during World War II, and then he was killed while uh, he was getting transported to a POW camp. Wow. In, uh, Where? In Manchuria. In, wow. You know, yeah. And then, so they were raised by their mother in Los Angeles. Ah. Ah, okay. They went to, but they went to San Jose State, which is how they kind of. Ah, uh, okay. So they were up there for there. school and, and all yeah. that. Because I think, I think uh, Tommy Smothers has a winery now mm-hmm. in, the, in no, uh, uh, Napa you, Valley. If, if you listen to our other, our, our sister podcast, This is the President, we just. We just did one, or you, you heard it here on yeah. Comedy History 101. We did an episode about the Smothers Brothers meeting uh, Ronald Reagan, and they're presenting him with a, a bottle of wine from their winery. Yeah, but I think comedy-wise, they got their start at the Purple Onion. And here's an interesting tidbit that I couldn't find any further information on. They started out as a trio, the Smothers Brothers. Yeah, the trio was, hold on right here, um, uh, the, casual quintet, <laughs> the Casual Quintet. Ah, but that, that would imply was, four was, of them. Those, yeah, there was a full group. 
called. Oh, okay, Harry right, Potter, okay, yeah. Part of, yeah. Well, it's an interesting. Made, sorry, go ahead. But they did just to be go back on the subject. So now we're back. Or the was there three of them, and they called themselves a quintet, and they're being ironic. As, and they're as they were being ironic. It's uh, like they, the, the comedy cellar in Dublin is upstairs. Yeah, right. So it's like a lot of irony. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, but they made their first professional appearance as a duo in February 1959 at the Purple Onion. Yeah. And again, I just watched this really great. Oh, you, and then we can do a whole we got to do a whole episode on this. There was this BBC Scotland documentary on Billy Conley. Um, have you seen oh, yeah. that one? No, is it good? Really good, really good. Because Billy, Con- oh, it's sad too. Because he's like, at, he's he knows he's at the end of his life, and he's very yeah. philosophical and introspective, and it's just kind of really touching. But how he Billy Conley started was he was in a folk uh, with a folk duo or a folk uh, yeah. group, yeah. Yeah. and yeah, in between songs he would just talk, and then the talking got longer and longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until yeah, the part kind of does that. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I figured like the Smothers Brothers were like kind of similar to that, like maybe evolved in that same sort of way. But do you know who um, Billy Conley was in a folk uh, group with? Uh, who's that? The guy who wrote, uh, Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Oh, Steeler's Wheel. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah, yeah I think I it's like Jerry that. Rafferty. Jerry Rafferty, yeah, Baker Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the uh, Steeler's Wheel, man. He was like, that was him and Billy Conley, man. That was pretty amazing. Well, it's, you know, it goes back to the Chevy Chase being in um, Steely Dan. <laughs> That's the one that always blows me away. I don't think he was in Steely Dan. I think they just went to college and they pl- they played together. I don't think he was an f- official Steeler of Dan at the time. Uh, uh, we'll have to. We'll do a whole episode on this. Whole ep- oh yeah, whole uh, comedians that played in bands. That might be oh, an yeah, episode. Well, I'm, write, I'm writing that down too. Yeah, and if you're listening to Comedy History One One <laughs> and want to hear that episode, please comment on iTunes. Or if you have ideas, Harvin, how can they get a hold of us? <laughs> At our website, Comedy History One and One, or our Instagram, Comedy History One and One, on our Facebook page, uh, Facebook.com/slash Comedy History One and One, and on Twitter, Comedy Hiss One and One. <laughs> Yeah, it was a little tricky. Too yeah, long, too long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so like we said up front, uh, the, the the title for the legendary Smothers Brothers album was the songs and comedy of the Smothers Brothers recorded at the Purple Onion in San Francisco. Uh, but, you know, it gets often gets referred to as live at the Purple Onion. Uh, but according to irony, the tapes got technically compromised and so they had she had so when you put on that album going i just want to hear a good san francisco audience laughing at the comedy of the smothers brothers um that performance was actually recorded at the thailand club in houston texas yep the thailand club pretoria oh we are marching to pretoria but 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 despite the name that was the album that that gave the smothers brothers their big break um they soon were courted to be on the tonight show um where they performed almost 50 times on the program so um after the smothers brothers became really huge um the the owner of the purple onion uh came back to them in 1965 and offered them $2,000 a week to perform at the Purple Onion. And do you know what happened, Scott? Uh, I think they took a better offer. But I do no, like the uh, uh, they said, sorry, we make that in one night. 
<laughs> and, and according to Bud, who was the manager at the time, that was the last they saw of them. Oh, yep. success <laughs> and not looking back at, at your, your, your roots. <laughs> so you mentioned this up front. Uh, there was a man who later went on to be Gomer Pyle that played at yep. the Purple Idea. Tell, tell us what happened when he would perform. Oh, so Jim Neighbors, oddly enough, if you've never heard of Jim Neighbors' album, insert clip here. To dream the impossible dream. Uh, he actually has quite the baritone voice. It's kind of weird if you only know him from Gomer Pyle. Um, so he his joke was that he would go on stage at the Purple Onion, he would sing a song, and then he would hit this really, really high note. And the joke was that then the bartender was supposed to break a glass every time that happened, but sometimes he would forget. A lot of times he would forget, he said. Yeah, so Bud, the uh, the, the manager, uh, you know, some nights when Jim Neighbors was poor me, he'd be like too busy, caught up in the bartending. So he would be a little off on the cue, which would actually get the bigger laugh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sometimes I've seen that. Yeah, the I was always good. I always like things that are rough around the edges and not mm-hmm. quite polished. So, yeah. yeah. So, again, that was sort of the heyday of the Purple Onion. Uh, by 1906, in 1967, um, they, they opened a second Purple Onion. Uh, I believe the name was called Purple Onion 2. It was opened on Broadway. Oh, the sequel. Yeah. Uh, and we mean Broadway in San Francisco, San Francisco. which is... Essentially just like right around the corner. Um, so that would host uh, cabaret theater and musical reviews, uh, but it didn't last. And by the 1970s, um, sort of comedy and folk music was becoming a little bit passe. And do you know what sort of took over uh, in his place of comedy and folk music in North Beach? Poetry? No, uh, strip clubs. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we, we should talk about poetry, too, as well as strip clubs. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, tell us about the poetry, and then we can circle back to the decline, want, the decline the of the purple onion. <laughs> but I want to get talking about the strip, strip clubs. <laughs> <laughs> I just want, but we have to touch on uh, poetry here. So they had, you know, they would also have poets there as well. This is the time, like as we mentioned earlier, when the twenty-five-year-old Maya Angelou got a gig there uh, via Jory Remy's uh, singing there, and that's where we'll uh, post the uh, the. The advertisement from the Chronicle, which is pretty mm-hmm. cool that you can see that. Um, and also, Rod McEwen, the the famous, uh, I think it was Canadian, the famous poet, would um, would stand there and do poetry readings. Uh, he wasn't very good. Uh, the one of the co-managers, Virginia, said at the time that uh, her quote was, "He didn't sing very well, but all the women wanted to take him home." Well, you know, sometimes that's good enough for a career. Yeah, sometimes that's enough. But he did some. What was the one? Yeah, he did. What was that big '70s thing that he did? Um, uh, he did like, uh, Star Wars. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it was like, uh, like, I don't know. I, I, I sort of picture it was sort of like a Leonard Cohen-ish type. Oh, poet maybe. Yeah, kind of like that. But he was the one that did the Mummy. Okay, the Mummy is awesome. <laughs> Scare people. Watch what happens when I walk up to somebody. I'm the mummy. 
The Mummy? Yeah. Is that a song? Yeah, yeah it, was like a, it was like a novelty pop song called The Mummy. It's a pretty good insert clip here. Yeah, we'll drop um, it in. Yeah. yeah, so, but he did, so, okay, no, here it is. Um, yeah, he just, he just, be, he was like this big poet. And people were like really into him, like especially. The I think he did like Seasons in the Sun. Yeah, there's something like that. He was like one of the, that was Jacques Brel who did the original of Seasons yeah, in the Sun. Yeah, I think he did like a cover of it. But yeah, he was like one of the first people that that um, uh, kind of discovered him. Yeah. All right, you got me digging up some Wikipedia pages right now. <laughs> yeah. Rod McEwen. Yeah, but he was known for his poems. So then he just like put it yeah. on stage. You know, same like Maya Angelou was a uh, she was a poet, and then she's just putting it to music. Yeah. All right, here he is. Uh, Discovering Jacques Burrell. That's what it says here on his Wikipedia page. Oh, you think he's Canadian? He was born in Oakland, California. Okay, so he was was a Bay Area man. I thought he was Canadian for a while. Well, he lived in... um France for oh so he did a lot he did a lot of the stuff for uh, for uh, peanuts cartoons oh really like voices or music yeah like no he did a lot of composing he was a big composer oh wow and here's here's a tie uh, he his songs have been formed by the likes of Barbara Streisand who also performed at the Purple Onion yeah and and the Hungry Eye yeah okay so. Here's to the purple onion. <laughs> oh, here's the purple onion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, interesting. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's say about Rod <laughs> McEwen. Uh, McEwen refused to identify as gay, straight, or bisexual. Oh, he was like Kevin Spacey until the scandal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, fair enough. Cheers to you, Mr. McEwen. Yeah, yeah. You, you non Canadian, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Scott, in the 70s, that was the sad decline right. of, of the Purple Onion. Um, according to Ginny, in an article we read, uh, that's when the topless craze took over North Beach. And sadly, a lot of like the clubs started to close down. I believe the Hungry Eye moved to Girbaldi Square, which is uh, Fisherman's Wharf, became more of a music club. Um, it became so much so that... Um, it says they put a marquee in the window, but how would you put... Oh, it, oh, it was on their marquee on the awning. It said, uh, no topless. <laughs> All right. Are you doing a Jim Neighbors act there? I heard you break a glass. Yeah, no, I was breaking glasses <laughs> for you, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Jim Neighbors. <laughs> no, no, you're not. <laughs> Harmon, you're no Jim Neighbors. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so again, there was like... North, you know, comedy sort of went out of fashion, uh, you know, in the late 60s because it was, okay, first of all, uh, you know, we're talking about eras and how eras infect, like the late 60s, oh, what was going on in San Francisco? It was the counterculture. People were doing the acid and they were hanging out at the Haight-Ashbury and, you know, so you had the whole hippie movement taking in where, you know, stand-up comedy was, you know, that was like, you know, the end of this sort of era of of stand up comedy, or at least the decline of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was moved more into your your uh, the topless, the hippies. Yeah, and and topless hippies. So uh, <laughs> the the club did come back in a form in 1993 when it was turned into sort of a uh, it was turned into a garage music club. 
uh, by a man named uh, Tom Guido, who is the manager. Um, and we'll get into what happened to him. But uh, other factors that kind of uh, led to the demise of the Purple Onion in 1990, uh, there was a gang shooting outside the door that killed one and wounded 11. Holy shit. There yeah, in, wow. in, in North Beach. And like we said up front, so Jenny, um, I believe she managed the club until 1989. So, you know, I, I guess they kept it going through the, the 70s and mm-hmm. in the 80s, uh, you know. And again, it's like when I, I live here in New York and I hear about these legendary jazz clubs that are no more. And you go, how, how could that possibly have disappeared? Because that is like, you know, a historic epicenter you know but you think of it you know yeah. and i've been to the purple onion you've been it's just like you know and at the end of the day it's a business and rent's expensive and, and sadly if no one yeah. saves it and makes it a historical marker it just you know it goes yeah so you were the, you were there in san francisco like the, what do you remember going to the onion then or you you, you probably remember it as a music club kind of huh yeah yeah so it was like a music club uh so bands such as uh the trash Women, the Phantom Surfer, the Brian Jonestown Massacre, the Groovy yeah. Ghoulies, who I discovered recently, just uh, they were a cool band. I think they're from like uh, um, maybe like Portland or something. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, it became like sort of like a garage music club. And uh, yeah, I, we put on shows there. Um, yeah. and- I think somebody posted somebody. Well, we're going to get into it, but like somebody posted one of the the. Um, the it was like a calendar from uh, I think it was in ninety four ninety five or something mm-hmm. but like yeah just 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 the listing on there was crazy it was like like the Brian Jonestown master were playing like two or three times you know of course it was just Anton sometimes yeah but he they're they're a San Francisco band too so yeah. it's like you know they're playing but yeah uh, again uh, it was great bands uh, but the guy who ran it was just a little bit off his rocker and sadly. Uh, in, just in January, uh, he was uh, uh, he was killed in a brutal yeah. murder in in San Francisco. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy because like he either like he really liked you or he hated you. So we had um, some mutual friends of ours, a band called a band by the name of Mo- the Motards, um, who actually uh, the guitarist Dave Head is now in the band uh, Surfboard, who are touring around the uh, the country. I just saw them here in Berlin. With uh, Sean Lennon. uh, (laughs) Yeah, we saw them in in New York with Sean Lennon as well. I think we just uh, saw Sean Lennon's band. We didn't see your friend's band. We got there late. We saw it all. Oh, we did? Oh, okay. Um, And and, um, so they played, the Motards played there, and they went back. They played at the Purple Onion. They went back to Texas, and they said, hey, guys, this is a cool club. Everybody go start playing there. And then we had another friend who went with their band, and that owner guy or the manager guy, just did not like them and just was like throwing stuff at them the whole time they're on stage. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah. So we tried to put comedy back in there when it was a garage yeah. band thing. Yeah. And the owner would like jump up on stage and take the microphone out of people's hands while they're yeah. in the middle of doing their act. Um, I had an act at the time where it involved uh, um uh, taping live or taping uh, dead fish to my inside of my shirt and <laughs> would open mm-hmm. it up, you know, one of those conceptual bits. And but I accidentally left the fish in the garbage can in the purple onion. And then the next week he's like, Your fish were stinky. And then it was like one show ended where the entire comedy community pinned the manager to the jukebox. 
and I was holding over his head um, my magical bottle of whiskey from you've seen that yeah. bit <laughs> yeah. and demanding that we get paid. Yeah, that's he's he was uh, <clears throat> and um, Tom Guido. That was the gentleman we're talking about. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, he was kind of known for not paying paying people. Yeah, yeah. So again, it was this like horrible tragedy, uh, you know, in just in January. It was like right when I got to town and I ran into Dan Dion on the street who comes into the Purple Onion story because he was the man who resurrected comedy um, at the Purple Onion um, in 2004. So Dan is not only, a, he's probably one of the best comedy photographers out there, but um, also, mm-hmm. um, you know, started bringing acts in in 2004 when uh, Mario Ascone uh, opened up the Cafe uh, Macaroni, I think. Yeah, that's it. Above the Purple Onion also owned the room. And so then, you know, out went the garage band era of the Purple Onion. In comes, like, you know, more of the comedy. And once right. again, you know, comedians like uh, Paul Krasner and Robin Williams and Tom Rhodes would come in. David Owens, who uh, runs SF Sketchfest, uh uh, rebooked Mort Saul to perform there in, in 2005. And there would be shows with, you know, Greg Proops and Margaret Cho and Todd Berry and Judah Freelander. Yeah, that's actually, that's the year I performed there was 2005. Yeah, so again, it was sort of hit and miss that era of comedy. And you'd always be really grateful when 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 you got booked in the Purple Onion because it was like mm-hmm. you would, you wouldn't have a bad show there because it's just like, you felt the vibe of the room uh, uh, down there. And in 2006, Zach Galifianakis recorded his special, Zach Galifianakis, live at the Problemian. It's nice to be on the outskirts of Chinese Town. And uh, yeah, they changed it to Chinese Town. I'm going to start a little slow tonight. I drank so fucking much last night. Oh God! I'm gonna just get a con. My my liver wrote his congressman <laughs> and complained. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah. So, did you see the opening of that? So, the opening is he's at a restaurant across the street from the Purple yeah. Onion, and I don't know if they staged this or if it was true, but a guy comes over and goes, "Zach, the MC just introduced you," and they, they show him running across the street and then down the 24 stairs into the Purple Onion. Yeah, I think that was staged, dude. But uh, yeah, that's what we. Yeah, I know. So we'll put this. We'll put this in the, um, uh, in the on the blog post. But that that actually gives you a really good uh, kind of physical lay. It's like what it was like to walk. It's basically the camera guy walking down into the club with this camera, so you can actually kind of see what it was like walking in there. Yeah, those stairs, man. They were like stone stairs, like very much like yeah. <laughs> insurance liability waiting to happen. <laughs> oh, I know. That's like when we did that thing at the Sketch Fest. It was like that was our green room. It was like waiting out there on the stairs. <laughs> yeah, so there's nowhere to wait. There was like sort of yeah. <laughs> by the bathrooms you could wait or, or yeah. you know, uh, on the stairs leading in. And yeah, so you performed there during SF Sketch Fest. I performed there mm-hmm. numerous times. I did weekends with my friend like Rob Cantrell and I think Al Magical from The Daily Show. Well, he wasn't on The Daily Show at the time. I think he was on the bill. And then I performed two years in a row um, my show Jokey So are you guys ready for some Jokey <laughs> At the Purple Onion. And one of the shows we actually had Robin Williams in the audience. Robin Williams. 
Yeah, dude, band. I never forgot that. I could look out and see Robin Williams laugh, and it was like just one oh, of those cool. great high points. Uh, yeah. And Rick Overton was on the bill. Uh, funny man, Rick Overton, uh, you know, comedy legend, was in. Uh, oh, yeah, Rick Overton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what was that Ron Howard movie uh, about the. He's uh, in- Gung Ho, he's in Gung Ho. <laughs> he's in, well, no, dude, he's, he's in, wait a minute, so, no. So he was in Gung Ho, though, yeah. Yeah, he's in, and he's in Mrs. Doubtfire, too. I think he's like an angry maitre d'. In, um, in, he's uh, in tons of stuff. Um, yeah, that, that 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 series about Comedy Store in the 70s, he plays like uh-huh. an agent. He's in that, what was that, I'm Dying Up Here? Oh, uh, yeah, how was that one? Um, it was like, okay, here's the thing. So it got canceled and it was on for two seasons and Al Madrigal, who we just mentioned, uh, was on that show. Um, so the storylines are good. Everything was good about that show, except when the comedians performed on stage doing the material written by the writers of the show. Like you're trying to create a character or say like this character is like the new Richard Pryor. And then right. he goes on stage and it's like, with that material? <laughs> or, or, or like a woman's like auditioning for Saturday Night Live and she's, this is the set that got her the audition for Saturday Night Live. And you're like, really? With that set? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean. That, and plus it was so like, like comedy that's now. Like a guy was like a Bill Hicks character. And that yeah. was like the 70s. There's no comedy like that. It was like, you we, know, it's not that era like you watch on YouTube. There, that era of comedy jokes telling was different you know that would be another uh, that'd be actually I'll, I'll make a note of that that's another good idea for a, a show is to like how comedy is portrayed yeah. like in the movies and tv because it's just like it's almost like it would be better to never show their sets yeah you know? well and, on the marvelous mrs Maisel, i think they do a good job and they, the writers are good and the stand-up does fit that era you know it, it's like you would hear you know, com- they, they, they stay true to the style of, of stand-up in the day. But then again, you get a movie like Tom Hanks and Punchline. Punchline, dude. We got it. Oh, God. I would say that's the shittiest stand-up movie ever. It I'm just, actually, everything. Never, every, yeah. Like, well, then we do an episode on it. I've never seen on. Punchline, dude. Okay. Yeah, just, just everything rang false about it, you know, about, about uh-huh. The, the, the world of stand-ups. So, so I think that brings us to modern day. Um, so sadly, uh, the Purple Onion uh, closed in 2012. I believe it was uh, uh, maybe October 1st, 2012. Um, no, oh, the final night of the Purple Onion was uh, September 24th, 2012. Everything was auctioned off, except I believe oh. uh, Mario, the, the owner, kept the original purple onion sign. So on that show is mm-hmm. uh, our friend, Jim short. Uh, Jim short uh, yes. Yep. Yep. Oh, you know, Jim short. He lived in Texas for a yes, while. I know Jim short. Yep. He did. Well, he's from Dallas or he, he's from, he's from Australia, Australia, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Good evening. Welcome to the purple onion, North beach, San Francisco, 2012. Thank you for coming out tonight and being here and sharing in a historic evening. We're going to have some laughs and some tears and some fun, and, 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 and uh, thanks for being here, and thanks for getting elbow to elbow with us in this tiny room, the way comedy's meant to be, under, under, the, under the surface of the earth, all jammed in together, hot and sweaty, and enjoying yourselves. Well, he's from Australia, but he lived in Dallas for a while. Yeah, yeah, and so on the bill that night, another uh, Bay Area native, uh, Father Guido Sarducci, was on the final bill oh, at the Guido. Purple Onion. Do you ever... Do, what, what's, what's the deal with his comedy? 
What 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 makes it funny? <laughs> no, <it's> just... <laughs> well, I mean, okay, here's the thing. I, I see where you're coming from, but yeah, like, yeah, okay, go ever, ahead. Have you ever read that um, that Laszlo letters? Oh, those are good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's very so pranksterish. Yeah, yeah. That was that was him. So but I think he was cool. like sort of like an Al Franken uh, and Tom yeah. Davis. He was a writer, and then he did the yeah. character. So he was like yeah. one of the original writers of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I mean, that, and that character is pretty funny, even though as an Italian, I can be insulted by it. <laughs> Do you even maybe makes jokes about his passporto? <laughs> yeah, passporto. Yeah. yeah. So then, uh, so Purple Onion closed in in 2012, but then it came back uh, when they opened up a restaurant upstairs where the former Cafe uh, Macaroni is. Is it Macaroni or Macaroni? Um, <laughs> I don't know. If, if if I'm saying it wrong, can someone just comment on iTunes that I'm saying it wrong? Um, they created a restaurant called Doc. Doc Ricketts upstairs and the blow in the purple onion space was a place called Doc's lab in the formal purple onion stage. I never performed there cause that's when I moved to New York, but I heard it, it was just like a little, little too polished. Um, you know, they had comedy burlesque live music, which I guess that stayed true to the original purple onion formula where it was more like a variety room. Uh, but that closed February, 2018. Ah, okay. Yeah, so, and again, I was just back in San Francisco for SS Sketch Fest in January. I walked by the Purple Onion. Uh, first, sadly, there was, like, a lot of, like, kind of flowers and reefs for uh, Tom Guido, because uh, that was, like, the week uh, uh, where, where he passed away, and it's just the awning's gone, and the stairs are gated off, and there's nothing in in the restaurant space, but... The Purple Onion lives on, in name, at a bar, which I know, an Irish bar called Kells, uh, around the corner. It's called Purple Onion at Kells on 530 Jackson Street. Uh, so I guess they just have a, you know, stand-up night at this Irish bar that I've drank at once and didn't really think much of the bar. <laughs> yeah, 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 just... You know, on Irish Bar in North Beach, really a fitting a fitting end to the Purple Onion tale. Yeah. So, in conclusion, uh, what what what's your takeaway on the legendary Purple Onion? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's always sad gentrification, man. It always takes takes it away, but it's it, that's it, man. That's all I can say. Yeah. Well, you know, things change and rents are expensive, but you know. Yeah. Somehow you should keep it these historical markers. Yeah, they should put. They should at least put. Maybe that could be like if we could bring anything out of this podcast. Maybe that's what we need to do, Harmon, is to like generate support for a historical. They should, you know, the California Historical Society should put up a uh, a marker there. Yeah, and if you think that the the California Historical Society should put up a marker, please comment on iTunes or come yeah. to Comedy Central or Comedy History One Hundred and One, History One Hundred and One dot com, and leave a comment and subscribe Dude, today. This, this could be our thing, and we we could get one of those fighting signs comedy causes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like a little bear on it. It's like you know California history right there. Yeah, or just they should just recreate uh, the sign from the seventies and put up a plaque that says "No Topless." Yeah, <laughs> I saw it's like the CBGBs, man. I saw that in, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, just a f- side note: CBGBs. It's a, a John Veritas store, but uh, to at least applaud them, um, they kept the original walls of CBGBs. So that it's was pretty cool. Yeah, you, like you a CBGBs you museum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like that. At least, well, at least they didn't. Just totally demolish history that you don't know 
that that ever, you know the where modern music was reinvented, you know, existed. <laughs> it's crazy, yeah, because that place it was bigger than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just uh, you know a space on the Bowery, but uh, yeah, it's cool. I like seeing the old flyers and the old graffiti yeah. on the wall. We, did, we didn't, we didn't have any chili. <laughs> What's the guy's name who ran CBGBs? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's holy another. shit, dude. Okay, what? this is really weird. So, what? so I was just uh, checking the social media. I was just checking our Comedy History One Hundred and One Facebook page, but mm-hmm. while doing that, I had to kind of log in through my Facebook account. And a friend of mine who was in a garage rock band in San Francisco during the early nineties just posted a picture. Of their show from mm-hmm. the Pro No way. Yeah. Uh, who? Your, your with, buddy with from the, the Motards? Or? Called, the gar- no, it's called the band was the Gargoyles. And they played with the Count Backwards and the Trash Women. Oh, wow. Okay. And we, we mentioned that earlier in the episode. Yeah, we did. Interesting. Okay. So it's all true. Yeah. It all brings us back to uh, the history of the Purple Onion. Um, and if you have anything you want to add to, uh, not you, but uh, I'm the, you meaning the listeners, to any experiences you've had at the Purple Onion in San Francisco, please leave a comment and we will read it on the air. And with that, it's time to plug away. Scott, what do you have to plug? Hey, Armin. Well, as everyone knows, so I have a new short film out called Everything You Always Want, Everything You Wanted to Know About sudden birth but we're afraid to ask uh, documentary short we premiered at Sundance 2019 and we're about to hit the festival circuit so we have our first screenings are going to be in um, at the Florida Film Festival in April we also have another screening in April that I'm not allowed to talk about yet but it's pretty big so it's be cool and then we'll, also, we'll be on the festival circuit the entire year so hopefully you can catch that somewhere and then also my co-host, Harmon, and I do another podcast called This is the President, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, Last FM, and everywhere you find your favorite podcast episodes. Ah, and with that, uh, what I have to plug away, of course, I plug this at the top of the show, is Comedy History 101 is coming to you live. Yes, live on March 19th, 7 p.m. at the Pit Loft in New York City. Yes, we will be there live on stage, except for Scott. He'll be there via Skype. And we'll be presenting an episode of Comedy History 101. We would love to have you come out and see us live in New York City, March 19th. And by the way, if you want to subscribe to uh, Comedy History 101, of course, you can go to iTunes and do that or via through our site, Comedy History 101. And we'd love it when you leave comments and we will read them on the air. So anyways, uh, that just about does it with uh, our, our history of the Purple Onion. Thanks a lot for tuning in and we will see you next time. Bye bye. doing comedy in Russia you have captured the audience. You're stupid. Everybody's so stupid. Comedy History 101.